Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. For those of you who are here for the first time, my name is Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here. Glad you're with us today. Hope you enjoy yourself. Uh, we've got a beautiful day of weather today. It's been great. Last week was great, too. Grateful for that. Grateful for a couple things. Yesterday, we uh, got to say thank you to all of our veterans for Veterans Day. And I just wanted to honor anybody in the room. Could you raise your hand if you're a veteran? One, two, three, four, five. Solid. God bless you. God bless you. We praise God for you. And uh, it really is in the spirit of today. We're talking about legacy today. And a lot of legacy is making decisions that people after you will benefit from. And when you serve your country and for people who've lost their lives for their country, they did that so that people after them can enjoy uh, the freedom that we have here and the progress that we've experienced in this nation. So thank you all for being examples of what it means to, to be people of legacy and to make those decisions so that we can benefit. So God bless you. Uh, man, I'm looking forward to getting into the message. Before I do, I want to also acknowledge another celebration. Today is my wife and I's first year anniversary. Jasmine, happy anniversary to you. It's been a, a productive year. Uh, we got little honey here, and it's just been a blessing. So I love you, and uh, looking forward to forever, right? We got a lot, lot more years to come. Um, let's, before we get into the message, I want to repeat these words or have you repeat these words after me. Before we get into scripture, I always like for us to say this declaration together as a church. So to say that the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right. Legacy. Making a long-lasting impact or difference in the lives of others. As Christians, we are called to be eternally minded. So for Christians, legacy, I believe, is taking it a step further and, and making any, an eternal difference in the lives of others. The blessings that we carry are blessings that will outlast this life, that will outlive this life on earth, and it will actually transcend and go into eternity and life in heaven. That's, that's the power of the blessing that's on people who follow Jesus. We actually have the power to bless people in ways that are eternal. We can change and help change the destiny for people's lives. I know for me, my life was headed straight towards death, hell, the grave, because of the sin that was in my life. And it took people that were obedient to God and allowed uh, themselves to be blessings in my life. They spoke life and truth and they brought conviction through the word of God and my whole life was changed. I have a future in heaven now because of the blessings that the body of Christ have brought to my life over the years. And as a recipient of that blessing, I feel very strongly that me as well as all of you who've received the blessing of salvation, the blessing of Jesus, to pay that forward for other people to experience. So it takes time, it takes learning, it takes practice, um, and I want to help us do that today. 
I want to help us do that today. Uh, the blessing that is on Abraham, I want to talk about a blessing that I introduced last week. It's an ancient blessing that was given to a man named Abraham. And the idea, this is where the, the concept was birthed of God blessing an individual with more than enough, way more than that actual individual needs. Uh, and the reason why there is such an abundance that's given is so that that person, the recipient of that heavy blessing, can now be a source of blessings for other people. God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you so much. I'm going to make you so great that you will now be able to be a blessing to other people and not just other people. The Bible went as far to say that the blessing that was on Abraham would be a blessing to all people all over the earth. And that same blessing has been given to us through Christ. Galatians 3, 14 says, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing. Can we all say the same blessing? The same blessing he promised to Abraham. So that Abrahamic blessing that was given so long ago, we have now on us through Jesus. If you're contemplating and thinking about following Jesus today and you're curious, just know that if you say yes to Jesus, this powerful blessing will now be on your life. Um, and it's awesome. It's meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be uh, shared. There's a responsibility that comes with it. And uh, I'm looking forward to diving more in. We covered last week about being rich in good deeds. And, and there's a quote that Mother Teresa gets, gave that I wanted to share. I thought it was very fitting. It says, a life that is not lived for others is not a life. A life not lived for others is not a life. And the reason why I agree with that is Jesus is the greatest example of how to live your life for others. He lived his life for his heavenly father, and he lived his life for the lost sinner. And it's through his life and through his sacrifice that lost people like me are now able to be reconciled with God. And the Bible calls him the life. Like, he's not just a life. He is the life. This is a bold statement, but I don't think that anyone has real life until Jesus comes into the picture. I think before Jesus, we are biologically living. Our lungs and our organs are functioning, so we're biologically alive. But true life doesn't come unless it comes through Jesus. And, and when Jesus comes into your life, he teaches you that your life is not about yourself, but it's for your Father in heaven, and it's for those around you who need to experience God through you. And Jesus is who teaches us how to do that. So uh, let's talk about being rich in good deeds. There's a scripture that I shared last week that tells those who are rich to also be rich in good deeds. The Bible doesn't condemn the rich. The Bible doesn't guilt the rich. But the Bible does promote the rich with responsibility. And he tells you that with the wealth that you've been blessed with, you now carry a position in context to those around you. And you are expected to share the abundance that you've been given for those with those around you. And that's the responsibility. And I really do believe that's part of enjoying the, the, the richness of God. I believe 
the way that we enjoy God's blessings is by sharing it. I think when we hoard it to ourselves, um, it really takes the fun out of it. It takes the joy out of it. I believe a selfish life is, is a sad life. Um, my most selfish moments, there's not a single time where I've taken a selfish route and have been happy about it. Um, I'm, I'm always sad when I'm selfish. And I believe the greatest joy comes when I'm actually sharing the blessings of God and sharing goodness with other people. So that's a great secret to joy. Make yourself a blessing. Don't just always be looking for the blessing. Sooner or later, you got to just say, I'm blessed, and now it's time for me to be a blessing. And what's so kind of funny about it is that's actually when you're the most blessed, when you're not just the recipient of the blessing, but you're the giver. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the enemy always wants us to blind us to that truth. He always wants to make us think that true happiness is finding more blessings when true, where you're actually more blessed and more fulfilled when you're a blessing to other people. And many people in this room can attest to the truth of that statement. Titus chapter 3 is a passage to the early church. And this is something I want to share with you guys because I believe it's for us today. Titus 3, I'm going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to read verse 8, and then I'm going to read verse 14. Verse 1 says, remind the people to do, sorry, to be ready, to be ready to do whatever is good. So we should always be ready to do whatever is needed and whatever is good in that context for that moment. Verse 8 says, I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful. The Bible says for us to be careful, to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone, the Bible says. Verse 14 says, our people, and by our people, he's talking about the redeemed. He's talking about the forgiven, those who are saved, the body of Christ, followers of Jesus. Our people, the Bible says, must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good, which means it doesn't come automatically. Just because you're saved, it doesn't mean that you automatically wake up every morning saying, how can I be a blessing to those around you? And if that happens, great, good for you, but you are definitely not the majority. The rest of us have to learn how to be selfless. We have to learn how to be people who do good. And the reason why we have to learn it, because ingrained in our human nature is what I'll call a gravitational force towards selfishness. It's so, have y'all ever noticed how easy it is to think about yourself, how easy it is to be absorbed with yourself. It's, it's the current of our human nature. And the Bible is telling us to shift that and go against the grain, follow Jesus, and learn how to live our lives to be a blessing to our Father in heaven and to the people who are around us. Amen? Uh, there is great power in doing good. And I say power because in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the Jewish people were an oppressed people, and they had this thirst and this quest to kind of rise up in society and to, to overcome and to, to gain power. So compassion was viewed as a weakness or even a waste of time. 
because they were trying to gain power. They were trying to gain upward mobility in their status as a people. And here comes Jesus, and he tells them all to make themselves servants. And this was controversial, and it was radical. And if we look in our hearts, some of us will realize that it's just as radical and just as controversial today because it goes against that, that force that we all have towards selfishness. But God is going to help us. He's helping us through this word, and the Holy Spirit is going to continue to empower us to do good. So I want to talk about doing good verse uh, via three questions. I'm going to ask three questions, and I'm going to direct them all to myself, and you can do the same as you are listening. First question is, why should I do good? Why? What's the why behind doing good? Well, first I want to just clarify that doing good is more than not doing bad. Um, a lot of us, you know, we, we don't do bad things, so we assume that we are doing good things. And that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you can stay inside your room and not do anything and not, not be doing anything bad, but also not do anything good either, right? And God is calling us to be people who are pursuing and seeking good works, Earlier in my faith, a lot of my salvation was just consumed with avoiding sin and not sinning and don't sin and don't sin. And as much as I believe that we should avoid sin, I don't believe that the approach to not sinning should be thinking about not sinning. Because the more you think about not sinning, the more you actually think about sinning. So it had this reverse effect. The more I tried not to sin, I found myself in sin. And it was really frustrating. I'm like, how am I doing the very thing that I'm trying so hard not to do? But the Lord had to shift my focus because the Bible says if you follow the Spirit, you, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So opposed to not trying not to do bad things, I changed my focus to trying to do good things. And I started finding ways to add value to the lives of people around me. And I found out the Lord blessed me to experience how fulfilling it was and how surprisingly fun it was. And it got to points where every day, I made a point, and I, and I built a community, and God gave me a community of people that wanted to do the same thing. So next thing you know, we're two, three years into just being committed to doing good for others and sharing the greatest gift that we have, which is Jesus. And I'm like, oh, man, it's been three, four years. I've been living righteously. I've been living in purity. And it, and it, it wasn't because I was thinking about not sinning. It was because I was thinking about doing good. So for some of you guys in there, if you're struggling with, with trying to break some bad habits, add good ones to your life. And you won't have time for the bad stuff. It really is. It's, it's so simple that we miss it sometimes. So let's, let's, let's continue to... To, uh, oh yeah, to do good. Let's get back to what I was actually trying to say. Um, the reason why we should do good is because it's actually the way that people can experience God. People who are far from God, and check me out on this, people who are far from God rarely are rarely more impacted than when they see a Christian acting like Jesus, not just believing like Jesus, but acting like Jesus. 
Let me put it this way. Good beliefs don't move people. Good deeds do. And this, and nothing against good beliefs. That's where it starts, to believe in the gospel, to believe good doctrine. All of that is, is, is so important, but all of that is internal. Your beliefs are between you and God. God sees what's happening on the inside. If we actually want to step into making a difference in the lives of others, our beliefs are going to have to move from just being inside to getting outside. Uh, the Bible says it this way. It says, God looks at the heart, but people look at the outward. It says, man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I think that every Christian needs to really take heed to the scripture, especially in regards of making a difference in people's lives. God knows your heart, but people know your actions. And a lot of times you put a lot of emphasis on my heart, my heart, my heart. That's cool, but until your actions are matching it, you're not doing any good for people around you. So when it comes to people, especially lost people, there are people in our lives at this very moment that could care less about our beliefs, but they do care about how we treat them. And it's not until we find ourselves treating people well and treating people with God's love and, and them seeing our good works that they'll start to be interested in what we have on the inside. So with God, yes, he's all about the inside, but people, they want to see the results. They want to see the actions if you want to make a difference in their lives. Why do I do good? Because doing good is God's destiny for me. And I believe that applies to everyone who follows Jesus. We see this in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. It's the purpose of why we were created in Christ, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is why we are alive. This is why we've been saved. I've said this a lot of times in church, there's a lot of emphasis on what we've been saved from, but we've got to shift to what we've been saved for. And this scripture says we've been saved to do good works. Have you ever considered why you're still on this earth as a Christian? Have you ever wondered why we're not immediately beamed up into heaven on a rocket ship the minute we say the prayer of salvation? The reason why is because there's good works to be done on earth. And these good works can only be done in Christ through the believer. Praise God for the, the deathbed salvations and they receive Jesus on their last day of being alive. Praise God for the thief that was on the cross that got invited to paradise right when he was dying. But we can't afford to all have those stories. Because as, all, as awesome as it is that the thief on the cross found a place in heaven, y'all, the thief on the cross because he died so quickly after his salvation, he wasn't able to do any good works. And that's the thrill of, of life as a Christian here on earth, because we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We get to be the ambassadors of Christ. We get to do his work in the earth and bring people to him. Have you ever gone to the grocery store and seen the samples that they pass out? As a kid, we used to love 
going to find if they had samples that, that day at the grocery store. But the whole point of the sample is it gives you a taste of, of, the, of the product. And the idea is like if you like what you taste, you'll go and buy a box or maybe even two. Uh, and that's the point of the sample. So when we do good works, guys, the reason why our good deeds are so important is they offer the world a taste of God. They offer, him a t they offer people a taste of Jesus. Every good deed that you do, every time that you bless someone, you are giving them a taste of the God that you serve. You are giving them a taste of the love and kindness of God. And I tell you this to empower you and to also uh, kind of relax you because a lot of times we put pressure on everything to happen after that one deed that we do. Like we, we, we feed somebody and we just, Lord, they're going to just come to, to you immediately. They're just going to be so impressed by this hot meal and so moved they're going to fall to their knees and ask for salvation. And though that can happen, it's okay if it doesn't. Every time that you do a good deed for someone, you can walk away knowing that at the very least, you gave that person a taste of God's love. You gave them a taste. And the idea is that the more taste they receive, the more taste they experience, they come and say, I want God for myself. I don't want the samples anymore. I don't want to just know him through you or through you, but I want to know him for myself. And, and that's what the Bible says. It says when people see your good works, they will then glorify your God in heaven. And that's the, that's the goal. But it, sometimes it takes a few tastes. Sometimes it takes a few samples for them to come to Jesus. But just know that every sample matters Every good deed matters. You are planting a seed towards their salvation, and you can walk away uh, excited and, and in faith that great things are going to come from even some of the smallest deeds that you do. I want us to really make a point to treat people well, because I've learned this firsthand. People can criticize our beliefs they can criticize our Bible. They can say all types of things. But if you can show kindness, it goes a long way. Where the, the non-believer can be like, man, I don't agree with what they say, but man, are they nice. Man, are they generous. Man, are they doing some good things. And the idea is that they might be able to deny God, but they cannot deny the good works that they're seeing with their own eyes. They, won't, they can't deny, non-believers can't deny a good work. They can't deny a kind act. They cannot deny generosity. And when they see it, the Bible says it's when they see it that slowly but surely their heart will start softening to this Jesus that we profess. So don't underestimate the power of a good deed. Don't underestimate good works. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. Where should I do good is my next question. Where should I do good? The answer is wherever you are. I choose to do good deeds wherever I am. If you're at church, do good there. If you're at home, do good there. If you're at a restaurant, do good there. For those of you who are going to lunch after this, tip well. Show kindness. The after church Sunday crowd should be jackpot for the service industry.
I don't ever want to hear that report again. I've heard reports from servers that people dread Sunday afternoon, the after church crowd. They say they're the worst tippers. And it made me so sad. Guys, let's be generous. Let's, let's go out of our way. Again, it's not even about their service per se. It's about glorifying God and, and, and well, they've got to work for it. Yeah, well, did you work for the gifts that God gave you? I wasn't trying to go there, but I just, I worked at Burger Up for a year. I know what it's like to serve. But, yo, I mean, think about that. Like, have you earned all the blessings God's given you? So we got to just change. We got to start thinking like Jesus. And we, gotta, we have to remember how blessed we are. That's really the connection to this. I'm getting ahead of myself. But the connection to being a blessing is realizing how much you've been blessed. It's not until you realize that you've been given what you don't deserve that you find yourself able to give people what they don't deserve. But if you forget that you've been blessed beyond what you deserve, then you will start to be a stickler about people and start being so tight with people. As if you want God to be tight with you. If God was as tight with you as you are with the waiter, you would be in trouble. <laughs> Guys. We have to change our hearts. We have to change our minds. We have to realize that we have the blessing of Abraham. God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to other people. We're not responsible with what they do with it, but we're just we're responsible for giving. That's between them and God. What you, you blessing people is between you and God. What they do with it is between them and God. Amen? I love this topic because I always try to encourage and remove the anxiety and the fear. People get really tense when you start talking about being a blessing and being responsible and being generous with other people because that scarcity complex comes in and it kicks in from the enemy of we just don't have enough and I have nothing to give. And I just want to break that today and, and encourage you guys. Just state a simple fact. God is never going to ask you to give something that you don't already have. And I tell you that because sometimes we act as if God is asking us to give time that we don't have and love that we don't have and courage that we don't have and hey that would be very unfair of God it'd be cruel of God to ask us to give something that we don't have I can see us being anxious I can see us being afraid if we were called to give what we don't have but there is nowhere in scripture where you will find that the Lord blesses you first and then with the blessing that he's given you then is when he asks you to share. So if God hasn't given you courage, he's not going to tell you to encourage your brother. But if he has given you courage and if he has encouraged you, then it's fair for him to ask you to encourage somebody else now. If God hasn't given you $5, then it will be unfair for him to tell you to share that $5. But if he's given you 10 and he's asked you to give two, that's fair. 
that's fair for him to ask you to give what you've been given. So just know that you're not going to have to reach outside yourself. The Lord will use you right where you are. I love in Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read this because I didn't, I didn't read the whole thing last service. Acts 3. This is Peter and John. They're walking around. I'm going to read verse 1 through 2, and I'm going to skip to verse 6 through 7. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At 3 in the afternoon... Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. That's where the gate was called. Where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Then Peter said in verse 6, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Guys, as miraculous as that story is, that still goes with what I said. The Lord doesn't ask us to give anything that we don't have. Peter and John didn't have silver and gold, but they did have the gift of healing on their lives. So he goes, I don't have a lot of money, but I know how to pray. And I know how to use the blood of Jesus to see healing in your life, so be healed, which honestly is way better than silver and gold. So we have more than what we realize, guys. I shared this in the second service. If you're a Christian, your crumbs are gold to a non-believer. And I feel the need, I feel like one of our biggest mistakes is we underestimate just how rich we are in Christ, just how much he has given us, just how much power and authority and love and endurance and virtues we've been given, not to mention the material things that we have as well. Guys, we have so much in Christ that our waste away, our leftovers will be feasts for the world. We don't understand, some of y'all are in church every week. Y'all are hearing revelation upon revelation. You're getting word. You're getting insight. You're getting so much. And a lot of people in your life don't have any of that. Like your crumbs would change the lives of people for generations. That woman that was talking to Jesus, she said, let me have the crumbs. The crumbs of Jesus was enough to change this woman and her family's life forever. And if you are in Christ, the same applies to you. The crumbs are enough. To ch- have you ever noticed the, those, those compassion, those different things they say, you know, for $30 a month, you can do, it's like that little can do that much for that kid. It's always very eye-opening. It's the same for us as Christians. Just a little bit. You'd be surprised. It might seem like a little bit to you, but to someone who's lost, To someone who's hopeless, someone who's thinking that this is their last day on earth and they're better off being dead, your Jesus loves you could save their life. And yes, that Jesus loves you might sound little to you, but if you are led by the Spirit and you're giving it to the one who he's leading you to give it to, it will be like fresh water after years in a desert. So please don't make the mistake of underestimating just how much you've been given. Amen? This is a quote from Dr. Albert Schwitzer. I thought this was interesting. It says, keep your eyes open for the little tasks. 
because it's the little kind tasks that are important to Jesus. And I like saying little because it's really little to us. If it's little in your eyes, please understand that it might be huge in the eyes of someone that you're doing it for. And I love the parting of the Red Sea stories. I love the raising Lazarus from the dead stories. I love these epic, just incredible miracles that I still believe are for today. And I still believe that we should believe that God can use us to do incredible miracles that would make the front page of the news if it happened. But I do think it's wrong for us to sit and wait for the things that we perceive as the big things. Because I guarantee you, for every time God is calling you to raise the dead, he's calling you to do thousands of other things that might be small to you, but huge to the recipient of who you're blessing. Last question, how should I do good? Because I can see it. Some of you all may be being anxious even in this moment. You know, like, where do I start? Like, do I just walk out of here and start just giving cash to every person I see? Do I have to give a high five to every person? Do I have to just go by every house tonight and, and, and make them a present and say, here, I'm doing a good, you know, and it can, like, it can get overwhelming. Don't be overwhelmed. Just be led. How we should do it, we do good deeds however the Spirit leads. I do good deeds however the Spirit leads me to do it. The Holy Spirit is a guide. And when you pray, your ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit gets stronger and stronger. You can't hear from God if you don't have an active prayer life. So if your prayer life is dead, just admit it and like change that today. Like you can awaken your prayer life today. You don't have to wait, and you don't have to go through a lot of hoops. Just start praying. Just start praying, and you will find the connection between you and the voice of God get stronger and louder, and you'll be able to sense his promptings. You'll be able to sense him leading. He'll put people on your heart. He'll open your eyes to a need, and it won't always be like a vision that Peter had, you know, where, you know, he, you know it won't always be supernatural or what we perceive as supernatural Um, a lot of times we can be very sensational and we just feel like God only works through like I don't know clouds and smoke sometimes it's just like the good Samaritan where you see somebody on the street that needs help like you don't need divine revelation to see that person's bleeding you don't need a vision from God to see that that person is bummed out and needs help so don't be over spiritual Be led by the Spirit, but also, if you see a need, help meet that need. God will lead you. Romans 8, uh, 14. Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if you are a child of God, you can be led by the Holy Spirit, and he will tell you who to bless, how to bless them, when to do it, when not to do it, what's not enough, what's more than necessary. I'm telling you, that's how detailed God is, y'all. Like, he really, he really can be close to you. 
He can be closer to you than any friend, any leader. He can talk to you as clearly and as strongly as you and I. And it won't always be audible, but he, he, he's God. He knows how to speak your language. He knows how to connect with you. He knows how to make himself clear. So let's ask God, lead me. Lead me in good deeds. Lead me to the people that you want me to give that blessing to or give that word to or, or give that help to. I promise you he'll do it. I promise you he will do it. Some of you guys will get a chance over the holidays to really be a divine appointment for people. These next couple of months, I'm going to ask you all to keep your eyes peeled. Look for it. Expect it. Expect God to tell you to bless somebody. Just be ready. Know, know that it's coming. It's just a matter of when and where. That's the posture I think we should all take. No, it's not, I wonder if God's going to tell me to bless somebody. He is. It's just a matter of where and when. So let's, keep, let's just throw out that question. God will lead all of us if we're following him to be a blessing to someone. It's your calling. It's your position. It's the reason why you're still on this earth. The question isn't if. It's when and how and where. And that's what God will do. He'll show you how to do it. As a church, we want to be a, a, a spiritual help to you all. We know that God has called us all to enrich our lives enrich our lives with good deeds. So we're working as a team to try to provide more opportunities for you all to enrich your own lives with good deeds. We don't believe that we're going to provide every opportunity because there's so much that you can do that are outside the church context, things in your neighborhood, things at work, things in your family. But as a church body, we want to provide opportunities. And one of them is today. It's actually exclusive to today for our next serve day in September, uh, not September, Saturday. Saturday is our next serve day. And we are providing food for the fire department across the street for Thanksgiving. And along with the food that we'll be shopping and getting and assembling and delivering on Saturday, we're going to give thank you cards to the fire department. And we have a bunch of blank cards to my right. So we're about to dismiss soon. On the way out, uh, if you can, and use your best handwriting if possible, uh, write uh, thank you to those who are, who are fighting fires, literally, for our behalf and, and, and risking their life on a daily basis. Uh, let them know that, they that they're appreciated, that there's a church across the street that loves them. It uh, doesn't have to be long. There's not a lot of space to write a lot. But I think this little bit in our eyes could be something huge for the person reading it. So, so that's, that's a pretty accessible, um, simple way to make a large impact on people who matter to us. So if you can, uh, to my right on the way out, feel free to write a thank you card. We've got several invitation opportunities. We've got Sunday services. We've got Saturday prayer. We've got the serve day in, uh, sep uh, why am I keeping on saying September? Saturday. Saturday, we have our serve day. December, there's another serve day. And then, of course, we've got our Christmas Eve service, which 
I think it's going to be so, so powerful, so nice. And if you really want people to experience the warmth and the love and the kindness of God, if there's people in your life that you know need a touch from God, please just say, hey, I would love for you to come to church. Well, first of all, make sure you're coming. Uh, <laughs> come first and bring people with you. Um, so that, and then lastly, our legacy offering. I announced this last week. Uh, December 10th, we are collecting what we call a legacy offering. And a po- like, and, and unlike our regular tithes and offerings, which are used for a wide range of, of things, we give 10% of all of our tithes and offerings to our missions. The legacy offering is going to be used exclusively for legacy projects. Legacy projects like our building, legacy projects like our children and our youth, people that are going to be living here after us, Lord willing, they're going to be the people in the future who are walking this earth and, and leading and raising families. And we want to make sure that we are making a mark on their lives so that after we're gone, they're standing on a great foundation that we got to lay for them. So the next generation and then also mission work. Mission work is uh, work that outlives us. It, it, it's outside of our normal life. Some of them are here and uh, locally, but a lot of our mission work is international. So we want to plant a seed of legacy this year. We do this once a year. We used to call it zeal for the house. Now we're going to call it our legacy offering. And those are the areas that we'll be using those funds for. So please pray over these next few weeks and show up December 10th with gratitude, with faith, and plant a seed and uh, contribute to this legacy offering on December 10th. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to put it to good use and see this city, this nation, and this world blessed for, for, for years to come because of the generosity of the people in this room. So be thinking about that. And that's it. I, I, I feel so strongly on the, the blessing of God that's on our life through Jesus. And I believe so much of what he wants to do from today is to open our eyes to just how blessed we are so that we can liberally and cheerfully share those blessings with others around us. So let's pray. I'm going to ask, yeah, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this word. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to just how blessed we are Lord, some of us walked in focused on our problems and focused on what we've lost and what we don't have. God, so I pray that by your spirit and through this prayer, Lord, you would open everyone's eyes to how blessed we are and specifically open our eyes to that Abraham blessing that we've received through Jesus Christ, Lord, that, that you've blessed us with more than enough, God. You've given us a, a limitless, unlimited blessing because you want us to then be a blessing to those around us. And Lord, you don't want to just stop there. You want it to actually go to other people who we don't even know, God. There are people that we are called to bless that we might never even meet, Lord. Help us to see just how powerful of a blessing you've put on us through our relationship with Jesus, God, and help us to steward that blessing by sharing it with others and and making the most of what you've given to us, God. Forgive us for any selfishness. Forgive us for for being so busy that we miss out on chances to 
to be a blessing to those that we pass and those that we meet. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you continue to lead us. Lead us in, in creative ways and lead us in practical ways to share what we've been given. And Lord, of all the things that we've been given, the most valuable by far is our knowledge of you, Jesus. Lord, for anyone here who has received Jesus, please, Lord, as freely as we receive the gift of Jesus, let us share the gift of Jesus with others. God, I pray, Lord, that you bless our efforts, you bless our faith, you bless our obedience, God. And I thank you for the harvest that's going to come from the good deeds from the people in this room. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand and everyone who's part of the prayer team to get in position. We're about to dismiss. But I want to offer everybody an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. It's Jesus that will teach you how to live your life for God and for those around you. He will give you everything you need and he will lead you to share his blessings with your friends, with your enemies, with strangers, with everyone. And I just can't wait to see what happens with it. So the way we do this is by confessing with our mouth, believing in our heart that the Lord Jesus is the Son of God. So repeat these words after me. Say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. Amen. Let's just glorify God for a bit. Thank him. Love on them. God, we love you. We thank you. Congratulations to everyone who prayed that prayer. It's the best prayer, best decision you'll ever make for the rest of your life. This team right here is our prayer team. They here, they're here to pray for you. So if you need prayer for anything, anybody, before you leave, don't hesitate. This team will be here to pray. They'll listen to whatever you want them to pray for, and they'll serve and minister to you. Um, if you want to get more connected to the church, text the word belong. Uh, we would love to hear from you if you text that word. We have an easy way of kind of letting you know who we are, what we're about. We also have next steps that are happening in a few minutes, right, when we dismiss. One floor up, we'll be uh, having step two of our next steps uh, class. You get to meet leadership, get more involved, find out more information, so you can make a decision if you want to be a part of this church to a greater degree. Um, so please, we welcome all of you. We would love to meet you. And then lastly, if you want to give, you can give online or our team can serve you in the lobby. Don't forget about the thank you cards as well. Um, I love you. I pray that you guys enjoy the rest of this 
beautiful weather, this great day. I pray God's blessings on you and hope to see y'all next week for step three or part three of our legacy series. Have a good one.